genre. This interview contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, the daily podcast where we are talking about the 1990s films one minute at a time. Today, a very special episode. We've been teasing this for a little while. We haven't given you too much information, but we have a guest with us here today with Adam, with Rachel, and I. Sadly, Chris can't be here because fans of the show will know he's been having some hardship as of late. Well, the house burning down. Now his basement is flooded. Uh, so send your prayers to Chris. He's, he's working the bucket right now, bailing out his in-law's basement, but he'll be all right. Everyone's okay. Uh, but the fun news is, in studio with us, you might recognize this voice. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Robbie Wrist is on the line. You know, uh, thank, you. thank you. You know, uh, we haven't really said much to each other yet, so you don't really know how much fun it's going to be now, do you? I mean... <laughs> I'm making assumptions based off of your bubbly personality on Twitter what? and in the films. Oh, yes, my bubbly personality on Twitter. I I'm mean, like the I'm like the angriest boy in the world. But I mean, look, we've gotten in trouble on this show with with a, a few people for being a little overly political, but I think our political beliefs are pretty much aligned yours and oh. ours. <laughs> oh, well, good. It'll so, be we'll be the first up against the wall. I like your Twitter feed personally. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I yeah. um, Oh, no, I sometimes I go back and look at it and I go, well, "Do you have to be so harsh, Bob?" Jesus. <laughs> Do you refer to yourself as Bob when you talk to yourself? Uh, Bob is my stupid alter ego. Whenever I do something stupid, it's Bob. Uh, That's who I blame. Damn it, Bob. I go, I go, I go God, Bob, you fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, Robbie, Bob, however you'd prefer us to, yeah, to call you. Bob is Bob is currently napping. I uh, hope. Okay, so we're talking to Robbie now then. <laughs> yes, we are. We are super happy to have you here. We've watched the entire first movie a minute at a time. We are so many minutes, about 60 minutes through Secret of the Ooze. And let me tell you, one of the things that we talk about most on this podcast is the delivery of the dialogue. And that is like your specialty in these films, man. You are Thank king. You. Wow. Thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. That's so weird, right? I was just thinking <laughs> these, the first movie comes out in 1991. We're still talking about it. I know. Well, I <laughs> mean, it's insane. It comes out in 1990, the first one. So All right, even fine. I'm older. sorry. I'm not as nerdy as you are. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of practice. Yes. So I guess I'm going to throw the first question to Adam. We usually, uh, we usually have a, a first question for guests. Adam, I think you can probably figure out what I'm thinking. Do you want to ask Robbie the first question? So, uh, so where did you find the turtles? Like, How did you end up discovering the Ninja Turtles? Were you aware of them before you got, uh, got asked to do Michelangelo? Uh, yeah, um, in like 87 or 88, uh, I was in a band with this guy who was a big comic book fan. And at his house one day, he pulled out this black and white comic book. He said, this is pretty funny, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, that's kind of dark and weird. Uh, <laughs> all right, there you go. And uh, and then a couple of years went by, and uh, I got the audition to read for Michelangelo. And they're like, yeah, they're doing a live-action movie of this uh, comic book show. And I, was, and I had no idea that the cartoon was a hit. So I was like, 
they're gonna make a kids movie out of that comic book i saw that's <laughs> wow well kids really are progressive these days and uh and then not knowing about the cartoon and all of that and then uh yeah and then i did the movie and i still was like all right cool that was fun and nobody knew what was going to happen especially what happened no as a matter of fact when i was doing the michelangelo gig we were recording it one of the producer people from you know golden harvest or whatever and the guy who was running the session with me uh, i was privy to this conversation where they're like they almost don't want to release the movie because they think it's too dark kids aren't gonna you know they're not gonna go for this <laughs> and i was like yeah uh, you know it's a funny thing in uh in art in media in general is that if somebody goes eh, i wouldn't do that if i were you go do it <laughs> because it seems to me more often than not people are like michael keaton and batman right oh, when right. they announced when they announced michael keaton's name you could hear the darth vader-esque of comic book nerds <laughs> the world over and wrong you know either one anybody even likes anymore so uh yeah and then a movie came out and it was you know massive i mean it was just the first weekend I was just like, are you kidding me? Wow, that's amazing. And I was you know, super happy about it, but it seemed an odd, out-of-the-gate, runaway hit movie. And then it became everything else. And then it was the touring thing, and they, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe rushed the second one a little bit. And then, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. And then, yeah, it was a crazy thing. I was getting up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning and doing discussions with uh, radio stations in in Australia just it was completely insane so yeah I'm pretty happy with it but yeah it was, it was like 88 found the comic book well I guess rewinding a little bit that's a lot of the story really quick nice job summarizing well um, yes well, <laughs> you've told this story you, before I, I, haven't I mean, you yeah. <laughs> well, yes, yes I have um, I guess the question I have is, so you, you say you, you got the audition, but you weren't that aware of the TV show. What kind of directions did they give you when you went into audition? And were you specifically auditioning for Michelangelo? Yeah, because uh, for a lot of my career anyway, see, I'm a graduate of uh, uh, Taft High School in Woodland Hills. And in 1982. Oh, Lisa Kudrow went there, didn't she? Indeed, she did. I just listened to the Mark Maron show where she was on. That's really weird. Uh -huh. Okay, cool. And, anyway. And the and the other one, Jennifer Aniston, went to El Camino, which is right up the street from my house. Right. So, uh, yeah, there's just a famous people everywhere, and, and I don't have their money. So, <laughs> uh, um, so in 1982, though, Taft High School was sort of ground zero for the Valley Girl song explosion. You know, oh. you, you know the, the Frank Zappa song? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of I went to starting in like seventh or eighth grade. I started hearing young girls and guys starting to talk like surfers. It was surf speak, you know. And so, and all, and it originated basically in my backyard. And of course, in high school, I couldn't resist the urge to make fun of anyone who talked that way. So I got really good at talking <laughs> that way. And then when I went in there, said Michelangelo's a surf character. I'm like, well, I kind of got this. And uh, and basically, I just, you know, it's hardly even acting at that point because I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm goofing on all those guys I went to high school with. And then I got it. You know, it, what what did they have you audition with? Did they have like lines from the movie? Or oh, Prime and Jesus. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the, because by the time 
the the voice actors get a hold of the thing, the movie's largely done. Okay. So you know they had you know the 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 movie was largely done, so I was just getting pages directly off the script. You know. All right. Yeah, it's funny because we talked to Steve Barron, uh, geez, almost a year and a half, maybe two years ago now. Uh, so that, that's what that way. That's when you were in minute one of Ooze. Well, no, we actually we talked to Steve Barron uh, after our first. Well, actually, it might have been partway through our first season. Yeah, I think it was about halfway through. And, right. and it was an, and unfortunately, we had a lot of technical difficulties with the call, but uh, we got a lot of good answers to questions. And he he was someone who mentioned that. It you know they the 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 film company or whatever the hell you call it wasn't liking the dark tone that he had basically tacked up pages from the comic books as like the storyboards. Yeah. And when the the you know the the company saw what he was doing, they were like, ah, this is maybe a little too. And even Henson Company didn't really like how dark it got. Yeah, um, sure. Which is again the flip side of that is the Michelangelo character is so light throughout the movie. He's kind of the comic relief, and you deliver that with like. The, the Valley Girl speak is just precision. It's so good. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, whatever any of it means ultimately, because I don't have Lisa Kudrow money, is, you know, a lot of people talk about how, you know, that's, I mean, I think what happens with a lot of people is they see that movie when they're like between the ages of six and 10. And I don't want, and I say this all the time, I don't want to say it's like Star Wars, but it's kind of like Star Wars in that. Oh my God. In that, what? You don't that's even a, know. That's actually, that's actually a catchphrase I've, I've kind of developed over this, the course of this show is like, there's so many moments where the movie becomes a lot like Star Wars. And I just go, this is just Star Wars. Well, it's so just it's, that, that, you know, what I mean by it's like Star Wars is that if you see Star Wars at a certain age, Let's say you're between six and thirteen. Uh-huh. Star Wars becomes your religion, right? You know, yeah, I mean, you just go, oh my, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I say that as somebody who was thirteen and saw it. Uh, yeah, I walked out of there going, <laughs> my life is different. And I and I believe the same thing with the turtles. You know, it's like if you see this movie between the ages of like six and ten. It it fundamentally changes how you view the world somehow. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so. And so I'm usually the first Michelangelo they hear. So I guess I'm kind of like David Attenborough in uh, in Jurassic <laughs> Park. You know, I I touch the dinosaurs first. So I think that's what it is. But it's kind of a cool thing that so many people still like it. And if you think about how many movies have come and gone since 1990, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound bitter. Um, <laughs> I, I, as, since 1990, and how many? Are anybody talking about? I mean, no one's talking about fucking Paddington anymore, and that's <laughs> and that's recent. Even if you relegate it to just sort of the Turtles universe, man, that '90 movie it it holds such a special place in so many people's hearts. It is like that's it, what it, I mean. It's like Star Wars in the way that you described. It's like Star Wars in the way that Adam described, and that a lot of the story beats even line up. But it's also uh-huh. like Star Wars. In the way that it's like this is the this is the a new hope of this entire franchise, man. There's never no matter what they do, there will never be a more beloved and better version of I, that franchise that. than that movie. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's an and I'm lucky enough to be a part of it. I mean that you know although you know, I gotta say and I'm you know I'm I'm putting it out there because you know I think I'm marketing myself this way. If you look at 
this long and storied career that I, well, some people would call it a career that I've had over the many years that I've been doing this. Uh, there's the Brady Bunch. There's the Turtles. Uh, to a lesser extent, there's Kid Video, uh, Iron Eagle, things like that. But right. then there's, you know, the Doc McStuffins thing. It's probably going to be around for a while. Here's the thing. I think it's entirely possible that if you put me in your piece of art, it stands just that much a slightly better chance of becoming <laughs> iconic. Well, so let's talk about that for a minute because even just talk. Yeah, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow smoke up your ass for a little bit if that's okay. Do you mind? I hope you don't mind. Oh no, I'll, I'll, I may just go nerd. <laughs> but yeah, well, like we're even listening to you on this show now, and we've interviewed a lot of people on this show, and listening to you tell your story is very dynamic. Some would say your pattern of speech is very musical, which is something that we touch on a lot in that 90 movie. The the vocal delivery of, of, of you and all the other voice actors and the, the actual live-action actors in the film, there's a melody to the way you deliver lines. The reason I think that the, the properties that you are involved in do so well is because of sort of your, your dynamic, your vocal dynamic as a voiceover actor and, and you know, your, your energy level as an on-screen character. You have, you know, an abundance of energy. And look, you're a musician. Let me talk to you in music <laughs> that's, terms, that's, all right? That's, that's not what my wife calls it. Let me, let, <laughs> let me talk to you in music terms. Do you want to listen to a four-minute song that never gets louder, never gets softer? It's the same dynamic level and hovers around the same pitch center for all four minutes? No. You want something that ebbs and flows and, the, you know, the pitch raises and it lowers and it oh, maybe speeds well, up you know, a there's drony shit. I think there's, uh, I, I think there's room for everything everywhere. And I, I do happen to have that thing, but also, you know, I'm, I'm currently in the midst of a jumping ship from one voiceover agency to another. And one of my concerns ha has been that, uh, how do I describe it? When I was 17, I was in the, in a band with this dude named Jim Zeeland. And uh, Jim, we were sitting mixing something one night and he looks over at me and goes, you know, if you were singing in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, someone could sit at the back of the room and go, ah, there's Rob. So like, <laughs> my, vo my, my voice is not one that necessarily blends, but it, you know, it sticks out. It's very prickly. And uh, but there are guys, I mean, do you know who Rob Paulson is? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Rob Paul, well, I guess you do, right? Of course, Doy. Who are you talking to? Come on. Yeah, so That's Rob, right. You guys met him recently, didn't you? Well, uh, I mean, a couple I, years I, ago, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a real sweetheart. He's a really good dude. Um, and uh, yeah, but the thing about Rob's voice is his is not all spiky and, you know, it's kind of actually smooth and 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 what with voices like his, his voice is kind of like Phil Hartman. <laughs> yeah. In that in that Phil Hartman had this sort of face that he wasn't unattractive, but he also wasn't gorgeous either. But if you put him in a different wig, he became a completely different person because his his natural state was kind of like that, you know, that magnet face thing you can get where you can make a beard. Oh, the hairy the, whatever his name is. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. It's, it's sort of that kind of thing where if I do an accent or another character, you're immediately just going to go, oh, for God's sakes, that's Rob doing a surfer. Or, you know, that's Rob sounding like an English guy. I mean, we're like, there is ahead. that to a degree. But however, the, don't you think the uniqueness of your voice is 
is kind of the selling point. Like you have an identifiable sound, not that it's typecast, but like if someone wants, you know, that kind of sound, they know to go well, to you. If you sounded like I did, you wouldn't get any work. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily so depending on your acting chops because a, a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of actors out there, you would kind of hear their natural voices and not necessarily think that that was them that's in the show. Like there are a okay. lot of, I mean, look, there's a dude named Frank Welker. Oh my, well, okay. we talked about him on Turtles too also. Uh, he's just, Frank, okay, I did a gig with Frank. This is sort of that thing about like, he can do a thing just like I do a thing, but his thing has way more tendrils that goes out in every direction. And here's <laughs> what I mean by that. We were doing this cartoon and they're going around the room and, you know, you have to do a little uh, test for the microphone to make sure the engineers got you set right and all that. And his character, Frank's character, was supposed to be an eagle. And uh, they're going around the thing. I'm like, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, there's my one note. And, uh, you know, off we go. And then we get to Frank and Frank goes, hey, you guys and the guys in the booth, he goes, before we get underway here. Um, you know, you said you want to be, be an eagle in this thing. Um, I came with five eagles. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I looked at the guys in the booth and, and they all like looked at each other panicky for a moment. And for like 10 seconds, you just saw mouths moving and they're like, blah, 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 and then they stop and they touch the talkback microphone and they go, uh, Mr. Welker, could, could, could we hear them? <laughs> I just all of a sudden I'm anticipating hearing Frank Welker doing like a Glenn Fry, a Don Henley, a Joe Walsh impression. Here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, that was good. Um, yeah, and then he proceeded to go. Well, this is a raptor, and then he did that, and then he go. Well, this is a bald eagle, and he and each one was like, "Holy God!" Now Frank Welker for years did a lot of animals, but the thing is, if you wanted animals, that's where you go. I don't do enough animals. If that <laughs> metaphorically speaking, that's a heavy statement, man. I just don't Whoa, do enough animals. I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> or, or, a, a, you know, an invitation to jail, but yes. <laughs> well, in some states. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, Frank Welker, you know, he did Toka and Razor and Turtles too. He's famously, Sco uh, not Scooby Doo, but uh, uh, Fred on Scooby Doo. He's he's done yeah. everything. This dude's done. I just saw I just saw a thing of him today. Actually, it's on YouTube or Twitter, one of those, uh, or uh, you know, uh, Facebook or Twitter. Is this the trash uh, can. It's thing? Frank. It's Frank. Yes, <laughs> yes. The trash can thing where he's doing a lion and he's got like a little tin trash can that's about you know thirteen inches high and he's got it next to his mouth and he's like whatever and it sounds like goddamn lions. Blows <laughs> my. That guy's a he's a genius. That guy. There are some voice actors that I've I've you know I've watched a couple of behind the scenes things. If you've ever seen the 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 comic book the movie with uh Mark <laughs> Hamill did, there's a whole like Comic Con panel with a bunch of those like legendary. Yeah, like, Rob I'm, I'm aware of it. Yes. Um, but like some of the tricks they have in the studio is amazing. The trash can thing that Welker does. I was watching something with uh, John DiMaggio, Bender, and he's doing like he doesn't use a pop filter on the mic. You know, one of those screens in front of the microphone. He puts his finger up to his lips every time he has a P syllable. Like, how well trained do you have to be to know every time you're going to say the letter P to like shush yourself so that the air splits and doesn't overmodulate the mic? Have oh, you it probably it probably happened because he even did it when they had pop screens. And they people just went, John, back off on the P. He's like, I can't. 
Did you probably just figured that out on his own? He's have like, you? Uh, <laughs> fuck it, I'm just doing this. <laughs> have you developed any of those, like you know, voice actor tricks in in your career? I doing have this? absolutely none, and I even <laughs> teach it. I have zero. I just kind of go in there. Actually, I guess my only trick is I try to play the reality, and that's it. But that should be what that should be what you do as an actor anyway. Right. So you know, uh, yeah. Can let's rewind. I mean, you mentioned the Brady Bunch thing. What was your first foray into acting? Like you started pretty young, man. Yeah, I was. Uh, I I bitched my parents into it. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I so they're like my, taking I, the I, auditions. I, You're like, Mom, I want to do this, and she's like, like lugging you all around. Yeah, basically, I I I, I was really into those Universal horror movies when I was a kid, and. At about four, I started going, I want to be in a monster movie, you guys. Wow. And my parents, my parents were like, well, that's cute. And I was, <laughs> and I, and like, and I was like, no, no, you don't. And my parents are not very, they, they, you know, they're not artists. My, you know, my dad's a, a, was an electronics engineer and, you know, uh, my mom has some artistic leaning, but, you know, never really thought that was something that she should do. And so I'm like, I'll be in a monster movie. And they're like, that's adorable. And then we go on with our lives. And then about a week later, I go, no, no, you don't understand. I want to be in a monster movie. And they'd wow. be like, we understand. We, we heard you. We know. And then they continued on with their lives. And I went, monster movie! And then <laughs> and then eventually monster movie just became movie. And then I was walking around. The, you know, I'd come home from school. How was school today, mom? Movie! You know, and uh, and, and, and just, just to shut me up, they took me on a cattle call. And their, their thinking was... There's going to be 200 kids there. It's going to be super chaotic. He's not going to enjoy it. And, you know, uh, the, our, 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 we'll, we'll be saved. And I got the job. And, <laughs> and, then I, and then I after I did that, I said, see, I told you I could do it, first off. Secondly, I'd like to do that again. And they went, uh, and I went, movie? They went, all right, fine. So... <laughs> Off they took me to another cattle call, which I got. I was six deep of getting each one before I finally didn't get one. And they were like, ah, he's just going to go, all right, I give up. That was enough. And I went, what do you mean you don't get every one? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I, you know, and then I, I think in my first two years of doing this stuff, I did close to a hundred commercials. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, all kinds of crazy stuff, so. That's the kind of confidence that you can't teach. You either have it or you don't, where, like. I think it's it's not confidence, it's stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> at least, well, at least, at nice least blood. in my case, yeah. at least in my case. You know, it's, uh, for some people, it's just bravery, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I was just like, I did, I, this has been the bane of my existence. I am always doing things that I don't know that I can. Yeah, but and, you always and, end up doing them. <laughs> Well, ultimately, so, because, so like because I'm very, I'm very stubborn also. And what I am, I, I, I was wondering how to describe it for years. Like, what is this thing about me? And I, uh, um, I uh, listened to Marin's interview of uh, Michael Douglas. Uh. And, and at one point he goes, you know, I mean, you come from, you know, great stock. Were you just an actor out of the gate? And he went, are you kidding me? I was awful. And he goes, well, why did you stick with it? He goes, because I'm a grinder. Ah. And that's exactly what it is with me. I'm like, All right, we're not there yet. We're doing it again. We're doing it live. <laughs> we're doing it live. <laughs> so, 
So, so how, yeah. did you, how did you end up doing in school? Did you have that same kind of personality in everything you did, or was that unique to the acting thing? Yeah, um, I, uh, I was a smart kid. Not a, a pretty dumb adult, smart kid. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, 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 there was a lot of, I skipped a grade, all that kind of crap. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went, and then I went back because I was like, uh, I don't want to do that. And, you know, and I was like, no, I'm like, I want to be, I'll be with the dumb kids. It's fine. So the social thing was important to you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I couldn't relate to anybody anyway. I grew up around fucking grownups. No, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as a secondary school teacher, I know what it takes to like skip ahead of grade, and I know the effect that it can have on a kid. I can only imagine what it been like in the what was this the seventies? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and also, you know, we live in a, America, especially as a culture where you are lauded more for being able to throw a sphere ninety yards than how much information you can pack away in your head. This is true. This is true. so. So there was a, you know, so not only was I on TV, which sort of automatically kind of, you know, we're, we're a pack animal when we're younger, when we're younger, it, it's all about the, it's all about the crew and the crowd and nobody really sticks out too much above everybody else. I think that's why, you know, if you, my football players all hang out together because they're all kind of alike. If they go hang out with other people, they're going to be bigger. They're going to be, I don't know, oh, yeah. dumber, whatever I mean, it is. Power in numbers. <laughs> Yeah, right. And and so if you're a kid who's who's who sticks their head up a little bit, uh, you know, it it could be a a sort of thing where the ones who don't understand it might be a little more on the ridiculing side of things. And then on top of that, you're smart. So basically, all I did was <laughs> like I read like six books a week, and I'm like, good lord. You know, I, I think if I, I read I'm, six books I, in high school. <laughs> If I if I'm if I'm ha a half-assed decent guitar player today, it's because you know I didn't have that much of a social life. I just sat in my room, listened to records, and played guitar. Nice. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about the guitar thing definitely. I want to get into that. Uh, um, but I was gonna ask, like, so did you end up doing the theater thing in school? Were you like a drama geek for a while, or like what what sort of social path did you carve? Most well, the weird thing is, uh, I, on graduation from junior high school. Uh, my history teacher, Mrs. Conway, uh, was handing out like, you know, a sort of humorous awards for the outgoing students. And uh, she made an award for me for missing the most days of junior high. <laughs> Sorry, so, I was being famous. Well, I was, I, I think uh, rather than famous, I think both, I, I think I was mostly working before I was famous. All but, right, fair. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Th and also, I never really bought into that whole thing. Like, the, 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 like I never got into it to sate my ego. I got into it to pull my pants down and wiggle my butt at people. Well, that's I, that was my. You so know what? Much I mean? more admirable. <laughs> well, I was. I, it was just an opportunity to show off and act like an idiot. And so the whole idea of being famous is like, I don't. You know, and the through the one thing, famous people they they can't pull their pants down and wiggle their butt at people all the time. That's, I can. So. Did the did did doing cousin Oliver on Brady Bunch like how did how did your your friends at school react to that like you're on this That's you know it's I a mean. huge TV yeah, well, show there, man there were those who there were those who were didn't care I mean at a certain well I was still going to public school then so there were kids that didn't care and then there were other ones that wanted to impress their friends by you know pushing around the kid that was on wow, TV that sucks. Eh, whatever it was a long time ago I'm sure they're I bet if we met now we'd be perfectly fine with each other probably. That's a, that's a, They're probably that's off a nice telling us somewhere. Yo, no, you know what? I used to bully cousin Oliver. Yeah, oh, I'm sure there's some of Michael that. Michelangelo, that Ninja Turtle. Yeah, I used to pants him. 
Yeah, I used to push that dude around. He was a geek. Yeah. I'm reading six, reading all the time. God. So you're a thoughtful kid. You're 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 putting your heart into this craft, man. What happens uh, when you go off to like college? What do you what do you do once you're out of high school? I go to college for uh, six months, and then I'm like, you know, there's I'm already doing what I want to do. So I just kind of went out and tried to be better at it, and uh, and then I, you know, somewhere in there, uh, somewhere around twenty, uh, I I get my first voiceover job. And, and, you know, I was working in between and, you know, doing on-camera stuff and all of that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have, uh, not that I'm asking you to, but, you know, my, my IMDb page looks like I almost might have had a career at one time. And so I was, you know, doing a lot of stuff, stuff at that time. And, uh, and then I got my first voiceover job and it was like the clouds parted. I'm like, wait a minute. This is over in a half hour or four hours if it's a cartoon. And usually it doesn't start till like 10 in the morning. I don't have to get up at 3.30 and sit in a makeup chair for two. Wait a minute. This is <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me about this? <laughs> and, then, and then I just totally got into it. And, uh, it, and it, was, I, it was one of the – this is something that it seems to have happened to me uh, my entire life, and I, we could probably point out examples, but I seem to largely in my in my life catch the tail end of things being good. Yeah. So when I, when I started playing in bars, uh, it, you know, uh, the, my favorite music was popular at the time, and then by the time I started actually playing in bars, like it was all gone within six months. Oh no! So yeah, it, it just but it's it's sort of how it goes with me now. I'm 55 years old. I just derailed my train of thought. Where were we in the narrative? Uh, college. College, <laughs> right? So, so I got the. Uh, so I started doing all that all that voiceover stuff, and uh, and I was, uh, you know, I just wanted to do that, and it was, and more than it being a half hour or the whatever thing. What I really did like about it is ah, tail end of everything being good. Thank you. There you go. I got I got in it just at the tail end of voiceover being a really cool job. And what I mean by that is about 300 people did all the work. Right. And and, in Los Angeles anyway. And so there were, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, demographic groups of people, you know, there were the 40 year old women types like Miriam Flynn and stuff like that. And then I'd look over and I'd be like, oh my God, that's Earl Bowen. And then Kenneth Mars, like all of the, All of the 60s, you know, TV and movie people, when they stopped kind of doing that kind of entertainment, a lot of them went into voiceover. So, you know, the guy from F Troop was so and all of these people back then, you know, everybody sends in MP3s now, you know, you do it at home. Sure. Well, back then they had casting offices. But what that meant was all of these casting offices, all of these other actors would be there and we'd all be in the lobby shooting the shit waiting to go in. And the great thing about it was it was a great way to get your game face on. So, you know, by the time you walked into that booth, you were like, Oh man, you were already improvising out in the, in the other room and telling (laughs) ridiculous stories and laughing your ass off and your energy's all fucking high. And then you get in there and you could just slam through these things where now you know, I'm in my bathrobe. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. I, got, I, I can, I can do it's the job. I'll, yeah, I'll nail it completely. No problem. But, you know, I don't get to see Kenneth Mars anymore. Ah. I don't get like, 
like the thing about being in entertainment for me that I really love is that it's about, and and I'm like, I'm the most non-traditional dude on the planet. Maybe the word isn't like there's a tradition to it, but there's a through line to it that goes back decades. And the, 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 the funny that we do, we're, it's all a big cover song at this point. We're doing jokes that have been handed down to us from the three stooges. And we're still (laughs) seriously, we're still reaching back into that. Well, well, it's to to make, to make now happen. We, we talked again in, in turtles Two specifically, we've said, what is it, Adam? We've been talking about, was it bugs bunny? Yeah. Yeah. The bugs bunny school of ninja fighting. How like, there's a lot of gags where it was like, if, if bugs bunny knew karate, this is the kind of thing he would do. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, no, um, most slapstick stuff. I mean, that stuff is, they worked that up. They already nailed that a long time ago. It's like, you know, cars kind of suck now because they nailed it in the 70s. It didn't have to go any further. <laughs> it seems like it seems like we live, in, we live in a universe where, you know, you can look at something like a rhinoceros and just go, that's where they stopped. That's where they went. It's not going to be any more rhinoceros than that. And if we try to make a better rhinoceros, we're going to fail miserably. Well, and, that, and I want to ask, too, nowadays you're seeing a lot of uh, voiceover work. I look at, like, the DC animated movies and things like that, and they're going to, like, you know, visual on-screen actors are getting these voice gigs instead of sort of your traditional yeah, I know. Thanks voiceover people. for reminding me, Scott. So you don't like that is what you're saying. Well, you know what? Get the fuck out of the way. You know, it's not like you don't have a job already. And and really, I don't think having a a movie actor in your uh, unless that's what he does, you know, Hamill, for instance, right, um, is uh, he he was in this really big movie, but also what movie was, was that again? I forget. He was in that really big movie. Okay. And then, but the thing is, his voiceover career happened very quietly. Very slowly, it built up, and more people were like, "Holy shit, man! Camel's really goddamn good." And like, and 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 it built in that way, rather than I don't know, Brad Pitt, just because his name is supposed to put butts in the seats. If you listen, if you watch that movie, he's living proof that not every actor should do voiceover. It's true. I mean, nobody you know, cared that Mark Hamill was the Joker. Sorry, Rachel, go ahead. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I was just watching this retrospective on Aladdin, I think, and when they approached Robin Williams to do the part of the genie, he wanted to downplay his role in that because he didn't want to be a marketing tool for Disney. And what happened was he was so incredible that Disney was like, we're going to use him in all of our marketing. And that's kind of when it changed from talented voice actors to Disney just hiring actors to sell a movie. Yeah, sure. Well, (laughs) uh, and also, but it it was creeping into commercial too, because I know a guy who was the voice of Lowe's home improvement stores and he worked on the movie Hoosiers, which of course starred Gene Hackman. Right. And, and while they're working on the thing, Hackman's like, so you do a lot of voiceover? And he's like, yeah, you know, I have a voice of Lowe's. I've been doing it for a while. He's like, yeah, I've been curious about that world, I guess. So, yeah, you know, they asked a couple of questions and whatever. And within six months, Gene Hackman was the voice of Lowe's. That's, oh my God. that's messed up. Man. Uh. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a marketing thing. But the truth of the matter is, is that what happened also 
is the industry. This is all my own bullshit, by the way. You know, I'm not right. This is just how I think I saw it. But somewhere around 95, I started seeing younger people in positions uh, behind the behind the scenes that I used to only see people in their, say, middle 30s. And um, I, I, at a certain point, these younger people were taken over and they were, you know, and the thing was, it was kind of like, we want to hire younger people because younger people will have the attitude that we need for the kind of advertising we want to do, blah, 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 blah. And so a lot of these kids wanted to star fuck. That's really what, the, you know, they were like, hey, man, we got fucking Gene Hackman, dude. And it, it like, is he any good? I don't fucking care. We're going to take pictures of fucking Gene Hackman. Ah, the days when the young kids were into Gene Hackman. <laughs> well, you understand what <laughs> I'm do. saying. I completely do. Yeah. And it's a noticeable yeah. shift, too, man. I feel bad about it because, like, look, voice acting, it's a cherry gig. Even for someone who doesn't really do it. I mean, I've done a little, but nothing professional. Uh -huh. I do a voice uh -huh. on a podcast. But, like, uh -huh. it that's, seems like a great working. gig, and who wouldn't want to do it, right? Michael Caine uh, is out there saying, like, the only reason I pick movies is based on, the like, the weather and where it's shooting. Yeah. Like, that's genius. <laughs> that's, like, next-level genius. Like I said, like <laughs> I said, that, you know, it is, it, it's it's their career, and, and of course, they're going to want to go off and do things. But also, I, you know, but it's I'm, not I'm good. A, I'm a community-minded guy. Yeah, and I, and I have to imagine that that community of voice actors has to be, like, a fraternity in, in a way, you know? It's got to be, oh, like, God, no. in the trenches oh, together. Well, back back then it was. Sure. I mean, that, um, uh, you know, I, one of my favorite games to play is a game called, yeah, but that's all over now. Oh, God. Like, yeah, because the truth of the matter is a lot of the old models, and they'll, they're being replaced by new ones, and they're not new ones that I'm supposed to understand. But the old models are, are falling away, and I, I know people that used to be middle-class actors. And they've just dropped off the bottom. They're just, they're not there anymore. Yeah. And a tremendous amount of them were women. Jeez. Like there was Patty Deutsch and Kathy Nagler and all of these people that I would see at these, in, at these auditions and jobs all the time. And they were some of the most gifted and funny people I've ever met. Way better than any on-camera actor I ever encountered. Because there was no ego on the line. It was all about your job. And so these these really incredible middle class, they were never going to be, you know, in, in blockbuster movies unless it was a complete accident. And now they're all gone. And and what's replaced them, if you listen to a lot of commercials and things and, and really, if you listen to a lot of cartoons, I don't hear a lot of voices with personality like with that poke that poke you in the eye. You know, I mean, look. Casey Kasem sounds yeah. like Casey K. You know, you, you hear that thing and you're like, boom, <laughs> we're in. You know, now they, they kind of want the voice to hide behind the image, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. They almost want you to hear the person rather than the character. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, it, it, again, it's different. Everything, you know, the, the world has been turned upside down, of course. Well, and now... <laughs> I was going to say, now that we're thoroughly de depressed. <laughs> no way, man. You know, hey, the, the only constant is change, dude. But let's, let's rewind a little bit more into Ninja Turtles. I want to get a little bit more into the detail of that. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this has been a wonderful tangent. It's been, I wasn't expecting to go there, but it's been great. I love it. Um, 
So you you get this gig. How old were you when you got the Turtles gig, the first one? Uh, so 90, I was, uh, you know, 26. And and you see basically a finished cut of the movie. And what do you hear? Like when you're watching the film, what is Oh, the- well, it's automatic dialogue replacement. So, and yeah, for those who don't know how that works, they show you the scene with three beeps before where your voice is supposed to come in. So he goes, beep, beep, beep. And on the imaginary fourth, you say the line. So what I, what they wanted me to do though, is they wanted me to go with Michelin's voice in my ear at the same time because his, his mouth movements moved the lip flaps. Right. Right. So, uh, I'm trying to do my performance with, and you know, Michelin has a higher voice than me, and he didn't do it surfer at all. He did it Brooklyn, didn't he? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. He was telling us about that. He almost the, the pizza guy scene in the middle. He's like, that's kind of what I auditioned with Michelangelo with. Yeah. And then uh, and so I have that in my ear while I'm trying to come in on the imaginary fourth beep and act on top of that. <laughs> uh, it was like, you know, it's like it was like juggling kittens. <laughs> Adorable, yeah, it's, but it's deadly. Kinda- yeah. Kind of like, have, have you ever had um, audio played back in your ear about two seconds in a delay? You can't you can't speak like all that comes out is gibberish. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, because you're used to hearing your voice a, a certain way. I mean, yeah. for a lot of people, you know, I teach voiceover also, you know, I teach acting, you know. And one of the things I tell pe- newbies all the time is you've got to get over the sound of your own voice because usually people hear their voice recorded for the first time oh, and they're yeah. like, ah, and the reason why is that you hear your own voice through bone conduction. Yep. So you have all that frequency rattling around in your brain cage. And when it's laid out there, you don't, you don't have the benefit of that. And a lot of people, it freaks them out. And I'm just like, it's not your job to judge it. It's your job to do the job. Yeah. Just close your don't think about the performance you did. Pretend you're a porn actor. You know, <laughs> I, I think I think very few porn actors go back to their earlier work and, and go through it and see if they've gotten better. <laughs> they How just kind of really go, get the essence of my go, character. They just kind of go, I did that. I'm just going to go forward from here. And I think that is the best way to be an artist. Uh, yeah. It's not it's not up to you to look at your shit. That's other people's job. I, I think I agree. Listen, I, I know from recording music for since I was 12 years old that it, the sound of your own voice is the worst thing you could ever possibly hear. And then you get used to it, you know, yeah, and then yeah. doing 200 episodes of a podcast gets you used to it real fast. Oh, also. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. No, um, for I have a podcast called The Spoon, uh, www.thespoonradio.com. And we, uh, we uh, we're on like episode three, almost 360. Nice. Yeah, and I'm, but I'm a porn actor with it. I, I, I do it, and I just keep, I, I keep walking. Now, do you have to edit and do all that stuff to your own podcast, or do you have guys for that? Well, we're, girls. we're a trio. We're a trio, and uh, one guy is super techie. So uh, Tom Bowers, uh, who we call our minister of information, uh, he does all the editing and post stuff, and he's great at it. Right. That reminds and also, me of, uh... and also it's wicked funny, but. That reminds me of a podcast that I'm familiar with. Hmm. Scott, doesn't this remind you of something? A, a podcast where there's one person who's really techy? Yeah. Yeah, it does sound a little familiar. The one person we're, who does all the grunt work? Mm, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Look, <laughs> there's, there's always, there's always, it, it, uh, 
it's it's synergy, man. Any project, <laughs> any project is like dating, and that like and but instead of it being two people, it's three people or four people or what have you. Which means, like, I believe on a certain level, we are all antennae, all of us, and we're all sending and receiving frequencies all the time. And what makes you friends with somebody? Well, those frequencies align. Now they could be two people that bring two completely different things to the table. But that's what makes those things hum. And if you pull that person away and put someone in, the dynamic completely changes. So you have to have somebody, you know, you're a team. That's the, the uh, somebody figured out a long time ago, um, some smart hairless monkey, when they first, <laughs> when they first wrote down that the first version of whatever the 10 commandments ends up being, they figured out that, why do you not murder? Why do you not lie? Why do you not bear false witness? All that kind of stuff. Because they figured out that one human being alone is worthless next to 3,000 human beings together. So we, this guy. If, we all, if we all trust each other, and if nobody lies, nobody kills, nobody acts like an asshole, we can get all kinds of great shit done. And that's what these projects are for. I was I was going deep. to make a crass joke about us having a Ninja Turtle foursome, and then you went and got real deep on us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, it's, again, I it's fine. It, man. I, I like welcome that. it. I'm going through a reflective time. It's okay. <laughs> Dude, I, I agree with the, the whole antenna thing. I, I've always been a fan of the idea of the collected human consciousness. Like, we all kind of reverberate off each other. I, I, have, a, I have a half-baked, just complete, Bullshit theory that because the universe is a big energy transfer experiment, maybe a lot of the religions got it right about heaven. They just got it right the wrong way. So since we're made up of energy and the universe is made of energy, well, we just kind of join the collective for a while until some energy coalesces into a meat sack again. <laughs> I can get behind you know? that. Isn't that... Isn't that a law of science? Energy cannot be created or destroyed. That's right. It just it's changes just kind form. Of far yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you die, your energy has to go somewhere. So yes, you do get to spend eternity with everybody you know, but you don't do it in the way that they say in the books. This you is know a what Ninja I mean? You're Turtles not like... podcast. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, you wanted me on. I know. I'm loving this. This is great. <laughs> Usually, usually it takes like six beers for me to get this philosophical. <laughs> oh gosh, you should come over here. That's all I do. And I, 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 yeah, and, and then Allie, my wife, she's like, "Yes, you are very philosophical. Are you going to bed yet, please?" God, all right. So sick of listening to you talk. So, yeah. so back on the turtle train. I, I this yes. is this is my turtle job train. in this antennae connected universe. No, no. Is to keep keep sending me back keep sending um, me back so you're doing adr you get this movie done how long does it take you to do the whole movie uh first one was four days second Jesus. one was the second two i think were three That's or it was amazing. five first one yeah first one was four and i was like we didn't move fast enough so when they did the next one i'm like oh no no i'm reading the script i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna know basically what i want to do for everything and i'm cutting days out of this thing because you- i don't get enough I didn't get enough residuals from the first one, so I'm not going to give them too much goddamn I want points time. on the back end on number two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. For two, one of the guys, I forget who it was, asked for like 500 bucks a week more for the suit work, which, if you ask me, is way harder work than any of us voice guys do. <laughs> and they just shit-canned him. They just went, eh, you know, you're in a suit. We can get somebody else. Uh, wow. During the oh. filming? Uh, before, just before. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Ooh, we'd have to do our research and see. I mean, I know Josh Pace didn't do the second movie, but I always heard that was claustrophobia related and et cetera. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. Who knows? I, it might have been Josh. Yeah. Um, but uh, did you get to improvise or like how much freedom did you have? Were you bound by what was on the script, by what Michelin was saying in your ear, or did you have any wiggle okay. room? I'm going to I'm going to say a title, and I'm going to ask you. To be very respectful. No problem. That title is Back in Time. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Back in Time. Okay. Uh, the third movie. Gotcha. The one that everyone on the face of the planet detests. Do you know who doesn't? <laughs> Hang on. Wait a minute. Do you know what? who doesn't detest that one? Who? Kevin Eastman says that's his second favorite one. Well, there you go. He prefers and it over know, ooze. Wow, I I actually do too. For for like you know, I just think ooze is so obviously pandering to a younger demographic that yeah. They, I see here here's why I like Turtles One so much is it didn't underestimate the audience. Oh my God, you're in my brain. <laughs> yeah, it didn't <laughs> underestimate the audience, and two, they did. Yeah, and then. And three is my is my personal favorite because it was the one where they're like, you know, we have loose lip flaps around going on here and we need, can you come up with something? And I would be like, come up with something. Fire this thing up. Projectionist. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> movie. So, yeah, movie. Yeah. So like, what so, was, do you remember yeah. like what you came up with in that one? Uh, uh, he who dings the shell must pay. Oh, that's a great um, line. Thank you. I like it too. There's a couple of them in there. There's that's a couple like, that's of them in like there. Mikey's movie. Like the first two movies are kind of like the first one is like Raph. And then the second one's like Raph. And then a little bit of Donnie's existential issue. And the third one is like, ah, Michelangelo. Like, where's his connection to the world? And it just happens well, to be in Feudal Japan. And, and I guess we actually nailed down why it's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I, all right, I'll come clean. I was gonna say because I got to be an artist, but you know, it's all about me. So, but like, what what other freedoms did you have in that one? Oh God, I, you know, I'd have to go back and I haven't watched it in a long time. I, I you know, there's very, very rarely are there sort of retrospective screenings of that movie. Hey, the first one, just theoretically, if about, we could get one, would you come? Hell yeah! All right, couldn't. just I'm putting that out there. I'm not saying it's gonna All happen, right. but wait, where do you where do you live? Uh, New York City. Great, let's go. I All right, I, I, I'd actually I'd actually go anywhere if you said. Uh, you know, what Addis Ababa? Yeah, let's go. You know, whatever. <laughs> East East Coast, Philly, New York, DC, somewhere around there. Sure, sure, East Coast. Because you know, I'm from Los Angeles, so to me, the East Coast is anything east of Denver. We're gonna be in <laughs> Wheeling, West Virginia. That's where we're gonna be. Oh, what? <laughs> so yeah, so the three is you know, I mean, they, they allowed me to kind of be a you know, be stupid me, and uh, they let Bob out. So uh, I you know, I kind of like that. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, I cannot believe how stupid lucky I am that we are. I did, you know, they they brought me back for the other two. They could have replaced me, you know. Ask uh, Lori Faso, you know. Yeah. They, uh, they they they, but they didn't. I mean, they, they replaced a it. lot of people after that first movie. Right, and I am, and I am Corey Feldman. I, I'm I'm honored to have been a part of it. You know, I'm honored to be a part of this thing that. Gener like now, uh, how old are you guys around? 35 34, 35, yeah. Right, okay. So there are people your age 
that are now taking their kids to go. Oh no, they're you know they're putting it on for their kids to see well, and watching and watching their brains explode. Our, our co-host Chris, who couldn't be here tonight. Uh, has you know two young children. He's been showing them the Nickelodeon series. He's he's very excited about introducing his kids to the world of Ninja Turtles. And I, I guarantee, after the experience we've had talking about these movies, he's going to throw them headfirst into the films. Yeah, well, it's it's just it's amazing to me, and and it's so look, uh, you know, I'm I'm on that Doc McStuffin show, and I, and I say all the time that it is the thing that I am most proud of that I've ever worked on because it serves a purpose that goes beyond just being a cartoon there to sell toys. It, uh, do you guys know about it at all? Well, okay, so I have to ask. I know Doc McStuffins. I've never watched it. I have a lot of nieces oh, yeah, and fine. nephews. It's fine. Who do you so play on a, it? It's about a little girl who uh, her mom is a doctor and her dad's stay-at-home dad, and her toys, she wants to be a doctor like her mom. Right. And she and her toys are her her uh, clinic assistants. So I play a stuffed dragon. But the thing is about this char- this show is that it it helps. It it every episode is about uh you know if you're going to see the doctor don't be afraid for uh, for, for having a checkup don't be afraid of needles these people are trying to to help you and and the show exists to alleviate fear and so I have a similar thing with the turtle thing in that <laughs> in a weird way I have even if it may be ever so tiny. I have something to do with something that 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 helps families bond with each other. Oh, and that's, absolutely! That, I, that to me, that I, you to me, there's there's no price on that. I mean, I I don't know if George Lucas feels that way. Well, I was actually, I sure do. I was actually just talking to a coworker about this the other day, where Turtles has this way of coming back in to the zeitgeist like every generation of 10 year olds gets their own turtles yeah and along with that now that our generation is older and having kids we have a connection with that generation like i can go to like a family party and there's a bunch of 10 year olds and i can talk to them about turtles no problem right. or like there's a lot of like parents who can carry a conversation with something that their kid is interested in which doesn't really happen very often well, one of the uh, one of the, I think one of the upsides of uh, the uh, youth culture explosion of the '60s is a generation of kids grew up going, you know what? I don't have to put my kid things down. Yeah. I can I can still hang on to them. Where before it was like, are you kidding me? That's stupid. That's kid stuff. There's 45 year old D and D players. We are of that generation, man. I mean, you look at the work that NECA is doing on these turtle action figures. I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, I the, the 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 ones that came out like this year or last begin well, of last year. Yeah, they came out with these movie turtles, and they're yeah, they look yeah, like statues. Yeah. They're beautiful, man. Yeah. But like, I collect that stuff. I I have a, a wall of turtle stuff. There's so many people who were like, we're not a like we are that generation who were allowed to be kids we didn't have to like go work at 14 and right. then we never were told we had to stop which is kind of beautiful yeah <laughs> that no, we're still because, allowed to enjoy that stuff uh, one of the things i teach in acting that that uh if, again if you're just starting out if you can find a way as somebody who's never acted before if you could find a way to get back in touch with when we're kids uh, if they, if uh, uh, somebody in the neighborhood got a uh, an appliance for their kitchen, 
the box <laughs> that ended up in the front yard <laughs> became any number of things. It became a, a rocket ship. I am sitting in my father's house in the basement about four feet away from where my refrigerator box Millennium Falcon used to sit. <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case. There you go. So <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, for a lot of people, as they grow up, grownups tell them, you got to put that stuff down. You got to stop daydreaming. You know, you know, Bastion from the never ending story. You know, I got to yeah. keep my feet on the ground. Well, actors, when you were in that box, you didn't see a box. Your, your imagination was so alive that you saw dials. You saw blinking lights. You saw the, the space monkey fly in front, whatever it was. And you were in that moment. You were not in a box. And if you can get back to that place where you can play pretend to the point that you're actually in that moment, that's how you, that's how you become a great act. Yeah, man. And you don't feel self-conscious about it at all. You just, you, you right. live it. You just, you just, because I say this a lot, uh, you, you don't go see a work. Usually you go see a play. Do you work music? No, you play music. And the operative word in all of this stuff is play. That's when you're writing comedy, you're playing. And if, if you can't play, uh, then, then you can't, if you, dude, if you can't play, then you can't art. <laughs> I feel like we should be charging people to listen to this now. This is like an like introduction it. for your yeah. acting class. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so like this thing, this thing brings parents and their kids together and, and, and maybe even like stepmoms who have a, a kid that they're not connecting with necessarily you can watch the turtles together all of a sudden boom you know they at least you have a connection it's amazing and i'm really stupid lucky to be involved with something like well we're, we're stupid lucky to have you in it what happened uh, like when when the movies came out like what was what was your life like for like 91 92 93 when like these movies were coming out like every year for a little while what do you mean? I, like, I mean, were you at, I'm assuming you went to, I know, I know they didn't really have like a big premiere for the first one, but like, yeah, did your sort of like, I don't know how to put it. Did your value as a voice actor go up? Did not at all. Really? Not at all. Yeah. Strangely, you know, this is that grinder thing. I think again, is that I keep doing these things <laughs> where I'm like, <laughs> All right, made man. I'm like Tommy and Goodfellas, including <laughs> the bullet to the head. Oh dear. And yeah, well, it just like I, I, it seems like one thing never really translated into the next thing. It seems like everything that I get into, I have to win it every time. And you know, entertainment has largely become that way too. Uh, I'm friends with Porky Pig. Like I'm friends with Bob Bergen. Oh, nice. And yeah, Bob and I, Bob and I went to high school together. Oh wow. And and again. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not bagging on youth culture. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> th the thing is, every seven years, some 28 year old producer who wants to reboot the, the 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 Warner Brothers characters makes Bob read on it. Really? Yeah. Now the thing is, Bob has been doing it for so long. He, I mean, he doesn't even to him. It's not work anymore. He just is Porky Pig. So he always wins it, and they always go. Oh, who's that guy? That's the guy oh, we've he's been Porky using. Pig. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my God. He is, he is the pig. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, the, we're, we're, we're once, uh, once mentor culture went away, once the 
the the internet democratized us all into basically equals. Yeah. Uh, it it took something away. It took something that that now the kid who makes records on his garage band set up at home, at least according to the culture, has about the same amount of artistic credibility as one of the Rolling Stones. Right. I was just having this conversation with my nephew today. He's going to really? some college in Oklahoma as a music production major. And he's uh-huh. like, he's 18. I'm 34. I, I just finished mixing an album in my home studio. He's doing stuff on Ableton. And we're having this conversation about like the internet and how it has sort of leveled the playing field for everyone as far as music goes. But I, I, I completely see the translation in the world of voice acting and, and oh, yeah. you know, any kind oh, of creative man. outlet. You know, that, that Ableton thing. Uh, there's <laughs> a, there, on, uh, on YouTube, they have these commercials for things called master classes. Oh, yes. And, and, and there's one with Danger Mouse, I think yep. it's his name. Yep. And, of and Narles one, Barkley fame also. At, at one point, he is mixing something at his desk, and he looks over to the camera and goes, you know what? I don't even know anything about music. And he goes back to working. And every time I hear that, I want to reach through the screen and and grab him by the back of the head and smack <laughs> his face onto his desk until it just is, is nothing but pulp. Look, Paul McCartney <laughs> wow. couldn't read music. However, that also makes me incredibly furious about the four years and thousands of dollars I spent on my music degree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think having having some knowledge of the math it's helpful. You don't have to let it get in your way. Oh, no. you know, because there, there are a lot of technicians out there who who know all of their modes and they play in that way, but they're not really well, saying and anything. And there's something to be said for like the session musician who can do anything you ask him to do, but also doesn't have any creativity. Exactly. You know, but the thing is, knowing the math a little bit, I I always recommend to people. You know, just be know your major and minor scale, understand yeah. it, know how it sort of applies in the relative minor world and all that kind of crap. And at least that. And then for, you know, whatever, then just go go play in the mud, you yeah. know, go go hear go like, spread spread out the finger paints. You hear like John Mayer drops out of Berkeley and you're just like, "Oh, but why?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe John Mayer should have stayed. I, you know. <laughs> um, Rachel, do you have any questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, I, we've been talking so much, Rachel. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I have a Brady Bunch question, actually. No! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Movie! So, uh, <laughs> Cousin Oliver is often maligned as the death knell of the Brady Bunch. Are, are you proud of that? Or <laughs> <laughs> Wow, like, Rachel. You... Holy shit. Yes. As, sorry. As like... I, I will say un, unequivocally <laughs> yes. I think it's hilarious. I mean, it's not true, no. but, but it's, I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, according to this myth, a nine-year-old boy had the internal power to take down a television dynasty. Do you realize <laughs> if that was a real power, I could hire myself out <laughs> to, to ruin other people's careers? Like, you want John Mayer out of the way? Put me in his band. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> But That's unfor- a lot of power. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, it, it started, turns out to not be true. It started a trope. So so now when they bring in like a cute little brother character, it's like, oh, well, he's the cousin Oliver. And, well, and, and I also at this point understand that it has nothing to do with me. Right. Like right. it's this it like this thing happened. It's so weird to watch a part that I played take on a life of its own and become a completely different thing. You know, you say whenever they bring in a new kid. I have my Google, I have a Google alert set to Cousin Oliver because for a while there, <laughs> uh, 
cousin Oliver, uh, according to the internet, has uh, jokingly uh, served in the last year of every president going back to Bush one. <laughs> what? <laughs> Every last year of every president since Bush won, there's been like a joking article that says Cousin Oliver joins Bush White House. <laughs> and just it just goes, it jumps the shark from there. There's a I think there's oh, a God. photo of of me from the Cousin Oliver days, and they've superimposed it over the Obama family. Oh no. Wow. It's, just, it's, it's hilarious. That's, it's so great. That's kind so of fantastic I, though. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Once again, I mean, who gets that in their lives? That's so strange. But uh, yeah, I uh, I love the fact that we're again. How many series have been on television since 1973 or four when that yeah. thing went off? Why are we still talking? Nobody so, even talks about the goddamn Waltons anymore. Well, the Brady Bunch are like way higher than the Waltons. I mean. <sighs> Little House on the Prairie, now you're getting a little competition. All right, maybe, but even at that, that thing, you know, I mean, that thing is, it's only watched by 70-year-olds Right. (laughs) Um, Dukes of Hazzard could be, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But did they, did you get involved with, like, any of the reunion stuff? They had all those TV movies in, like, the 80s, like the Christmas special where Bobby gets in the car Uh, crash, and then, like, even the reboot movies? the, the, uh, the, The wisdom was that, the uh, the Oliver character wasn't really a decision of the producers. It was a decision of the network who were afraid that the kids were getting too old. And the, and the Schwartz family were like, well, why don't we just go out on top? You know, where it's a top, it's a top 10 show. We're doing good. Right. Five years goes into syndication. We'll make some money. We can all walk away and be happy and maybe go into an Island somewhere and sip rum flavored beverages. And the, and the, and the network went, well, no, the rum flavored beverages thing sounds good, but why don't we put a kid in? And they and, and they went, they went. How about just the beverages, but no kid? And they went, how about the kid, but no beverages? Ah. And they and they went, look, fine, look. They, I think, in their heart of hearts, knew it was the last year anyway. They right. were going to walk away, and they're like, all right, we'll put the kid in. And so, it just so happens that it's it's now all. It was six episodes. I worked for six weeks. We're still talking about it. So weird. You did something right, man. Uh, so I, you weren't involved in the whole like uh, the home renovation special that they just did or whatever <laughs> that uh, debacle. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen. Is it on yet? I kept hearing that it was going to happen. Like the what was it TLC or one of those channels? Yeah, yeah. HGTV. A, yeah, they wanted to renovate the Brady House. They were going to get a bunch yeah. of cast members together and then like. Well, they did. Okay, so so they last year on Facebook they they put up a picture of the original six standing in front of the house and okay. they're like HGTV is going to do a, a renovation show with the Brady family. And there was a tiny ever so imperceptible internet kerfuffle of people that were like, well, where's cousin Oliver? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, Ugh, whatever. <laughs> do I and have to? <laughs> it, well, I was just like, it's fine. I'm like, it's the original six and it's going to be fun. And then two days later, the producer of the show calls me and goes, Hey, uh, you know, we didn't want you to think that we didn't want you involved. So, you know, somehow we want to get you involved. We just don't know how yet. And I'm like, actually, if you ask me, I don't know. Like, it looks like it's about the original six. If you can think of something for me to do, look, I would love to work. They called me to do the last episode, which is in itself is funny. <laughs> they bring it in the end. <laughs> that is pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I went, yeah, okay, maybe we could do something. I mean, so what is this like a day rate thing or whatever? And the guy literally did this. He went, oh, 
I thought you would do it for free. Wow. And I went, no, no, I'm a, I'm a working actor for God's sake. What are you kidding me? I mean, they could have offered me 500 bucks and I would have done it. Scale but or something. Now, but and now it, this has nothing to do with the, with the, with any of the actors. Those people are all awesome. It's all, you know, I have no issue there, but this one guy who works for HGTV, it's kind of douchey, <laughs> you know, like really do the yeah. other ones get paid? Does anyone pay you at work? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> no, I do yeah, this job hilarious. for free. I round yeah, up, but I round up I, Brady's for free. Yeah. So like, you know, I only have like, as far as the actual show goes again, I think a lot of things that have to do with the show are just kind of beyond me. You know what I mean? It was like, it was something I did when I was nine and we're still talking about it, but I have very little of any actual connection to it internally. You know, I mean, I'll go Michelangelo all goddamn day. <laughs> um, speaking of Adam, did you have any other like Michelangelo related questions? Cause I want to talk music with Robbie for a minute here, but if we've got any other <laughs> turtle stuff, Wait, maybe we'll just do another episode where actually, why don't you come on the spoon and then we'll, you know, we'll get our, <laughs> We'll really get our hands dirty. Hey, man. You'll be like, I'll, you'll, I'll you're going to walk that. out of there. You're going to walk out of there all roughed up. You'll be like, it'll be like Fight Club. By the time I'm done with you, you'll be a carved There's, out of wood. Dude, first rule of Fight Club. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that's, see, that's the movie I'd be showing my kid. See, that's the difference right there. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, what um, are you, 10? Come on, sit down. You got to say that. You're old enough. Yeah. What do you think of Tyler Jordan? Little, yeah, no kidding. Little Robbie look at, Jr. Look, yeah, look, bitch tits. Funny, right? <laughs> you know um, what testicular cancer is? <laughs> anyway, Adam, any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, do you ever get recognized just by your voice? Like, does anyone go like, oh, my God, that you're you're Michelangelo? Not so much. Not so much. I get recognized because of the Brady thing still, which is weird because I'm, you know, old. You're but, not nine anymore. Yeah, totally. But people are like, were you the kid from D? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, not so much from my voice though, oddly, which I think sounds like me no matter where I go. Yeah. I feel like you, like you said earlier, like I could probably pick your voice out of a crowd. Like if I was in, if I was in a restaurant and I overheard you, I'd be like, that is Michelangelo here. Like, (laughs) and and I, I have to admit, we don't, we don't have like a camera feed during this conversation. I have to keep shaking the mental image of Michelangelo having this conversation (laughs) with me. uh, Why, why shake it? (laughs) <laughs> just embrace it, Adam. Roll with it. Yeah, it does. Like, no, it's it's a real guy. It's well, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you are at a restaurant and you hear John Benjamin. There's no mistaking that that's John Benjamin. Right, right. Because he's a guy. He's a really interesting case because he completely sounds like him in everything. There is no <laughs> everything, modulation yeah. whatsoever, well, and yet he just keeps packing on the work. But s- somehow, though, it's it's always a different character. Yeah, I, I don't know how the hell he does it. I just <laughs> love him doing Archer undercover as Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> that was yeah, like... Ar- Archer and um, Bob Belcher, same voice, but somehow completely different Archer characters. has more yeah. confidence. Yeah, yeah, and Bob's more, like, timid and... Schlubby, yeah. yeah. That's acting yeah. right there. Yeah, um, no, that's, yeah, that's range. He runs the gamut of emotions from A to B. <laughs> Literally. Look at that, Archer to Bob. Um, so, so, Ooh, I didn't uh, even think of that. See, Very this good. is the antenna you're talking about. We're all in the same the frequency antenna. now, man. Um, God, all right. So uh, Mondo Gecko, you were Mondo Gecko on the Turtles uh, Nickelodeon one, right? Yeah, the last one, yeah. And you did, was it like a two episodes as Mondo Gecko? 
uh, something like that, two or three. That yeah. had to be fun. Did they? I mean, oh, it was hilarious. Actually, that was fun. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, the guy who was producing the show, and now I'm sorry, his name escapes me. That's but Ciro you know, Ciro Norelli or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, uh, he said it just made sense. I'm gonna bring you back in on this thing. You know, uh, kind of cool. Before that, though, there was a uh, uh what? Uh, there was a show on a Hulu, Hulu, okay. Netflix, Netflix, Hulu, 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 flicks. Um, <laughs> somewhere on the internet <laughs> why well, somewhere on the internet there was a there was a, a, a shrek spinoff called puss in boots oh yes and the three villains in it were the three little pigs right and the three little pigs which is this is the most inside baseball joke i've seen on television in a while but the three little pigs are me mikey kelly and greg sipes oh wow yeah and it was on purpose. That's that funny. Want? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> They're all Michelangelo. That's really funny. <laughs> That's a great movie. Yeah. I never so, noticed that. Oh, I have to go back and watch that now. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what a great joke. But also, like, you know, when I first watched Mystery Science Theater, I found myself more often than not going, oh, come on. This joke is for me. Nobody else knows this. <laughs> it's so inside. What are you guys doing? And that's totally what that joke is. Oh, wow. Well, listen, man, we've, we've speaking of running the gamut, I think we've, we've covered just about everything here tonight. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Real quick, your music life, man. Like, What turned you on to music? Who do you listen to? What are your influences? And what are you playing now? I was uh, at... Uh, uh, at two, I would I was I would get up every morning and I was that poodle you see on the internet that hits the piano and goes oh nice <laughs> yeah I was basically that for like a while and then to get me to stop doing that my dad said well let's try to give him a violin so I got me a little tiny violin but I, I was to my hands were too small and then I shortly after that uh, took up got back on the piano and started actually playing it and then around eight I start playing guitar and then bass and drums at 13 and like I said I didn't have much of a social life so I didn't would sit there and learn records and and then it's been a whole other thing I do I mean one of my side jobs is um, Anthony C. Ferrante and myself, he, uh, directs the Sharknado movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a, so we have a band called Quint who, uh, who does, <laughs> we, we do, uh, anytime you hear a pop song in one of the Sharknado movies, it's us. That's usually, awesome. <laughs> usually there's a couple of, there's a couple, like, I think, uh, the outs, uh, uh, the, who are they called? The pretty fly for white guy band. Oh, the, uh, offspring. Right, Offspring, they have something on there, and there's a couple of other people, but largely it's Anthony and I, and uh, and then uh, I did a whole bunch of songs for his zombie movie that's coming out on uh, August 17th. Uh, yeah, I do. Somebody told me a long time ago, if you're going to be in the entertainment business, don't specialize. Yeah. So I, I overly took that to heart because also at the same time, I'm working on a comic book, uh, a web series, uh, potentially, I hope, a pilot an hour-long pilot that we want to sell to like somebody like hbo or showtime wow uh i'm uh yeah i'm still i've been trying to put out a solo record for 20 years well, um 
Hey, listen, yeah. as far as the solo record goes, if you ever need like a session musician or help mixing and mastering, like give me a call. <laughs> uh, oh, believe me. I, I think we may have, uh, you know, I think this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You know what's yeah. funny? So we've talked to, and I, I apologize to Adam and Rachel for going music nerd for a minute, but our listeners yeah. know that I tend to do this. We've talked to John Dupre, the composer for the Turtle movies, who uh-huh. gave us an amazing interview. We talked to... Uh, 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 Michelin Sisti, who I found out is from Buffalo, which is where I went to college. He was a musician uh-huh. growing up, played drums, played jazz, like was putting himself through college doing music gigs. Now we're talking to you. I feel like what needs to happen is some sort of convention, Comic-Con, whatever it may be. We need to get all these people together, and we need to form a Ninja Turtles band. Friggin' Rob Paulson sings Barbershop with the other <laughs> Turtle voice actors from the cartoon. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is meant to be, man. And, All right. and not only that, but you don't have to ask me twice. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm in. Yeah. Um, but like, there's gotta be something to this musical undercurrent in Ninja Turtles that like affects the way these movies sound, like either the voices or the actual composition or even the pacing of the films. Like, well, I so mean, many look, Baron, are... Baron comes from music videos, right? We talked to him about doing Billie Jean and aha and all that stuff. Right. So, he, uh, you know, he uh, he he is a product as as an artist. He's largely a product of the video generation and all of those beats. Uh, you know, maybe he just slowed him down for the turtle movie because, you know, he had, he, uh, as opposed to he had an hour and a half as opposed to three and a half minutes. Yeah. He was almost going to have a punk rock soundtrack to that movie, too. Did you know that? No, he no, was I, going. I, he made the right call. Yeah, he went with. Well, I think he was going to ask Malcolm McLaren to do it. Oh, <laughs> and the studio was like, mm, "We want someone a little more established." So they went with Dupre, who had done Fish Called Wanda. Right. But like, can right. you imagine punk rock Ninja Turtles one with uh, all the Sex know. Pistols references on screen? Um, I actually go go to the original source material. We'll wipe the track off of it <laughs> and. Put in a new soundtrack and we'll revoice it. Oh, hey, you know, <laughs> hey, I have a proposition for you. Uh oh. We have been trying for our, uh, and uh, listen, say no. I fully expect a no on this. We've oh, been trying oh, the to challenge get, has been thrown. <laughs> we've been trying to get uh, at some point for our, our subscribers, our paid subscribers, of which we have a few, uh, as uh-huh. a bonus episode to do a, a read through. Of, of the Turtles 90 movie. Yeah, now, listen, I feel like it would be almost too easy to have you play Mikey. Is there another character in that movie that you'd ever want to try voicing? I want to do a Shredder. No, listen, um... <laughs> Robbie Wrist as Shredder. Done. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I will learn somehow or at least to Tonsi. have... Some kind of accent. I don't know. I'll still, I'll still sound like me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, hey, listen. If that ever happens, you're more than invited to jump on and do that. I'm in. I'm in. Also, Whatever you want. If you I want to be, copy- I, I know. I want to be Danny. What? There you go. <laughs> yes. Finally, a reason to like Danny. <laughs> that brings us to my next question. We're, we've been having a hard time tracking down a copy of the script. If you happen to have one. Oh God, no. That. Uh, I'm uh, uh no I you know it's weird I never keep scripts I'm I, I kind of go eh, I did the job you know I I feel like a that Pee Wee Herman thing you know You're like I don't have to watch it Donnie well and who I keeps a script it. called have... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990 no 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 no, no <laughs> I mean the thing is I totally like I have friends who you know every voiceover script they ever did they wow. say 
you know, at the ones they only read on, not the ones they even got. So like, I get the, that there's a thing to do that, but yeah, I've always like, you know, I come, my, my parents are like working class world war two era German babies. And they came over here after the war and they basically said to me, all right, we're going to, you know, because we're German, we'll, we're, we're, you can go do your little acting thing. But if you act up in any way that we don't like, we will murder you and oh, make another one that looks oh just dear. like you. And we will <laughs> never, we will never miss you. So <laughs> I, I, I've always had this kind of working class attitude it's like, you know, I, I'm not very sentimental about hanging on to stuff. I just kind of go, I, you know, I did it. It's out there if anybody wants to see it, I guess. But, like, I'm more interested in what I do next than what I did before. So do you, do you have any, like, Turtles memory, memorabilia, any swag hanging around? Absolutely none. Wow. Oh, wow. All right. um, although uh, I'm, I'm uh, right now selling uh, one of those. Uh, somebody, uh, some friend of mine brought, brought a... Uh, three foot tall plastic Michelangelo based on the last cartoon okay. that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had me sign it and then he like left it at my house. I thought he was going to take it home. He never did. So I'm selling it, there but that's go. the only piece of turtle. That's the only piece of memorabilia I have. That's right. It's all in your heart and in your mind. That's where you need it. It's most. in my heart. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, China listen. is in my heart, Jack. <laughs> Wherever I go, she is with me. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? Big trouble in little China? There anybody? you go. No? Hey, Kurt Russell, man. Oh, uh, you know what? You know, this is the problem when you work with kids because they don't know the history. They that's, don't. That's it's very sad. true. It's very true. <laughs> um, listen, I'm trying to wrap this up, but I have it. I keep I pop, questions uh, popping in my it's head. It's all good. Man. Do, you, do you remember any stuff that you recorded for the film that any of the films that didn't end up like extra scenes or anything like that. that didn't oh my, end up. Well, I mean, usually when I do the uh, automatic dialogue replacement thing, uh, you know, I kind of know when I, you know, I usually nail it on the first or second try. So then they'll have you do like three of them. And usually by the third one, I'll come up with something stupid that I know they're not going <laughs> to use, but you know, I'm like, look, Michelangelo just said poopy face, you know, whatever it, it is. And and so there's probably a bunch of that stuff lying around. I just don't know where the, you know, I don't know who has all that material. Oh, it might have all gotten tossed out. I would, I wouldn't give. All right. So we're we're gonna so, come to the end here. We have a couple right, stock right, right. questions we ask every guest. Stock questions. Rachel, to... do you want to do the first one? Let's check. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite pizza topping? Oh, I was, I'm very traditional pepperoni guy. Yeah. You know, or you know, and I, you know, I'll, I'll go Hawaiian. I know, wow, but wait, I will. Dude, I will. You're not gonna believe how many Kevin Eastman again. That was his favorite pizza. I think so, maybe was it Francois yeah. Chow or Dupre? Someone else said it. We just had one of our, uh, you know, weekly guests on say Hawaiian. Yeah. It's more popular than people are giving it credit how, for. How man. about this? I, I'll, I'll, I look. How can you go wrong with cheese, tomato sauce, and bread? Okay, like even Domino's, <laughs> which is like the most shit pizza on the face of the planet. <laughs> wow, is is still like uh, uh, out of know, the mouth I, of Michelangelo himself. <laughs> I'll tell that's just terrible. No, look, I'm life is too short for crap pizza. But yeah. that, that said, I always say pizza and sex are like the same thing because even when sex is bad, I mean, it's still sex. Come I on. feel like these I are was the scenes. Just thinking that it's like bad. Bad pizza like bad sex is still pretty great, right? Yeah, it's still, it's still <laughs> tomato sauce on bread with cheese. Um, yeah, and I will, uh, you know, I, the only guy I won't go is fish. I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. Uh, no, no, did, no. Whoever came up with that, that's the work of Satan. We, <laughs> we, I, we I did have, like, a, a shrimp, um, 
and Parmesan pizza one time that wasn't too bad, but yeah. I usually, yeah, shrimp and cheese is a, uh, it's a weird line for me to walk. I'm yeah. not sure yeah, why. Fishy, fishy and cheesy. Yeah, uh, you, you got to really work that. You know, you got to be a master chef. That's like a, that's like, that's next level shit, you know? Fishy yeah. and cheesy sounds like another 70s cop drama. Fishy and, it does, doesn't it? Fishy, <laughs> cheesy. fishy, cheesy, you guys have destroyed four cop cars this week. I'm taking you off the case. I think we just what figured out ha- what your pilot is. <laughs> Actually, uh, I I wrote a uh, I put up an Instagram picture of me and the cat, and someone pointed out that it looked like a '70s cop show. And I I I'd, I'd written a little bit of that scene with one of the partners being the cat, and the cat always goes, the cat goes meow, and the chief is like, your partner's got a filthy mouth. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, fish. If if we're doing fishy and cheesy, one of them has to be a dog. Like, like oh, of course. And hooch. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Fishy and cheesy. Uh, fishy would be the cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's cat and a dog. Fishy and cheesy, they're, they're a dog, cat, police team kind of a thing. Trademark uh, it and now. Then, <laughs> and then, it, then it's a question of are we going to go like hyper violent, like adult kind of cartoon? Or is it like, you know, GTC, you know, that kind of oh, thing? Oh, no, I think it's like, it's, it's like adult swim, man. <laughs> it, it gets All weird. Right. Get him on the phone. I could use a check. <laughs> um, and and I guess the 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 last turtle related question, Adam. Do you want to ask in the other one? Well, usually we ask which turtle they most identify with. I think we might know that. Well, oh I, yeah, no, it's Donatello. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> not what I was expecting. <laughs> Welcome to me. Although everybody says Donatello. Yeah, I I, I, I identify with Donatello. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Which one do I relate to most? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I think we need another one. <laughs> well, that's all I got. I'm out. <laughs> all right, that's all right. In that case, I'll say Michelangelo. All right, fair enough. All right. I figured right. that was a softball one, but we got to question get it in anyway. answered. There you go. <laughs> done and done. All right, <laughs> Mister uh, Robbie Rist. I really appreciate the time you're taking talking to us. That man. is super fun, you guys. Uh, well, we appreciate you hanging out. Anytime you want to chat, promote uh, anything, hit us up. Rachel, right, Rachel. Next yes. time. Next time, why don't you and I just do the show and then the other two just either we now how about this? Duct tape their mouths closed before okay. it starts. So maybe you and I can actually have, you know, some sort of interaction. Well, I think that would have been <laughs> here, get her on your show. We don't need to do yeah, it. Bring Rachel I'll on have your you show. All on the goddamn show one at a time or all <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I'm actually really funny when they let me talk. Oh, huh? oh wait, no, no, now, now, Man. Rachel, you're a girl. <laughs> no, she's, she's actually a hundred percent right. We're really bad I, at this. And, and I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep having to, I After feel like we're always I, at the end of an episode and I'm like, oh, by the way, we have a woman on this show. <laughs> And she hasn't said anything in five minutes. Yeah, after all of this hilarity, it turns out Rob is a sexist asshole. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, about two weeks ago, we had an episode called The Guys Are All Assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, at least we acknowledge that... it. <laughs> yeah, we sure. love Rachel. She's our favorite. Right on. Mine, mine too. <laughs> As she should be. Um, oh my God, there was one more thing, but I can't remember what it was. There's been so much. We'll have to do this again at some point. It's been an absolute Whatever blast. Dude, yeah, plug it. Fun. What do you got coming up? Tell us where you're going to oh, be. When- oh my God. Well, no, I know what it was. Hang on. I'm what? sorry. The most important thing yet. You want to be Michelangelo again. Yes. Tell oh, us that, about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that they're going to try to reboot 
the Turtles again. I mean, I would sure like to voice Michelangelo again. That would be super fun. Uh, but if it can't be that one, you know, put me in, coach. Let me swing the bat. But, uh, you know, I think there's uh, – this isn't an ego thing. A lot, um, I mean, it's just because I get told it a lot. But a lot of people say that, you know, I'm – the the version of that character that they relate to most. So if that's so, give the fans what they want. Do the opposite of what Michael Bay always does. <laughs> I would actually agree there. I I I think your version of Michelangelo is the Michelangelo. Wow, that's very sweet. Thank you. I I you know I I, I thank you. I guess is all I can say. Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. You know, is it? And it, it, it is also kind of 50-50 you and Michel and Sisti, but it was kind of that perfect marriage of body language and voice. Yeah, yeah, that... sure. And also, you know, watching him do his work helps me do mine. Right, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he, he does really good work. And he's he, a really sweet dude. Oh, he was great. He was so nice yeah. when he came on our show. Um, yeah. Uh, Rachel, who was it? We were talking to someone who was saying that, like, as the years have gone on, Michelangelo was getting less intelligent as a character. They kept playing him dumb. I can't remember which guest we were talking to. Do you remember? Uh, I think, ma- I think it was Kevin. Kevin, Kevin or uh, Ralph, one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you- Michelangelo apparently is the Cindy Brady of the <laughs> But your Michelangelo actually had, like, heart and pathos and was was, like... A, like a relatable character rather than just a punchline for the whole thing, especially when you look at Turtles 3, which is, you know, often overlooked. He gets this uh-huh. whole emotional arc. He's the sensitive one, you know? But he masks sure. oh, it well, with humor. I like to think, well, you know, art imitates life and all that. Kind of. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would, I'm all for you being Mikey again. And I understand. Well, you know, get on the horn, get all the, get all the people together. Let's write a letter. Am I, am I correct in understanding <laughs> there might be some sort of viral campaign to, to try to get this moving I, you forward? Know, I mean, if, if anybody wants to get it going, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I look, if, if, I, I look at it this way. If enough people are interested, something will happen, I guess. And right. let's just, you know, I'm, I'm out finding out if something is interesting. Um, make sure you watch uh, uh, a Zombie Tidal Wave on Sci-Fi, August mm. 17th, uh, featuring songs of Quint. Uh, also, uh, there's a RobbieRiss.net that's up now. Uh, I've tried to kind of coalesce this shambling mess of a career that I've had low these many years into sort of one <laughs> location where, you know, you can see most of it. So that's up. I'm uh, I'm eventually shortly going to fire up a, uh, a fundraising thing. I'm working on a, a comic book with a uh, guy who works for a company called American mythology. They do uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs comics and things like that. Wow. Dude, Mike Wolfers, great art, great author. But uh, I have a, uh, we're working on a thing called world war wolf. It's a uh, it's a it's a werewolf story that takes place in World War Two. Uh, sounds fun. And, and then uh, now you again, you're youngins, so you know when you work with kids, you don't always know what they know. But uh, <laughs> Mason Reese, does that name mean anything to anyone? Okay, Mason Reese was a kid actor who rose. He was for like five years was one of the biggest stars in America between like 1970 and 75. He ended up at like nine years old. The guy was hosting the Mike Douglas show. He's wow. just amazing. So I'm still friends with Mason. And so we we're working on a, uh, on a, uh, a, a, a pilot called the place. Hopefully, uh, like I said, it, it's an hour long drama thing. And then I'm also working on a web series called done, which is a near future where, 
uh, they've passed laws that if you're over 55, you have no say in the culture whatsoever. And it's gotten so bad that Oprah Winfrey and Bill Clinton have to become roommates. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and, and the whole show is going to be populated by people who actually make their living as lookalikes. That's amazing, and I'm on board for all of that. All right, well, and then well this, we're going to get that going. This Robbie Wrist solo album that we we're hearing about, too, ugh, at some point. Ugh, it's going to be bad. I'm too busy finishing everyone else's crap. <laughs> you got to take time for yourself, man. Uh, you know, not, not because currently I'm in the late 70s out here in Los Angeles. There was a really hilarious punk rock band called the Rubber City Rebels, and they had a record out on Capitol. You know, they went to the show for a while. And so I'm playing with the guitar player from that. And, you know, mostly what I do is I realize that my talents are really best served in the service of others. So I'm like, you know, I'm playing drums with this thing. I'm playing bass with that thing. You know, my, awesome. my ego's fine. I don't need to pull my willy out and shake it in anybody's face. Do you feel creatively <laughs> fulfilled? Yeah, oh, God, yeah, sure. Then, then that's what matters, man. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, just go. get it done. Do stuff. Well, listen, I can happily say you hold the record for our longest interview yet. Yeah! So there you go. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie Rist, thank you so much. Make sure you guys oh, you check guys him don't... out all over the place. He's on Twitter. He's, he's everywhere. You can find him. All yeah. of the stuff he just told you, support it. Yeah. We're going to get him to be Michelangelo again. It's just going to yes! happen. It's going to happen. Are! I feel we good are! about it. And, Hashtag uh, OG Mikey. Yeah. Oh, yeah totally, dude. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Robbie Rist. Yeah. Dude. Thank you so much for being on Turtles Minute. Thank you. Because you know, now Michelangelo is about 55, so, you know, he's getting ready to retire. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get, like, a nice job, maybe, like, doing movie budgets or something? You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Michelangelo is a temp? I'm sorry, sir. You know, this spreadsheet just isn't coming together the way I thought it was going to. <laughs> No, no, no. I just had this vision of Michelangelo as an old hippie running a surf shop in Hawaii. Why? Why not? Yeah. That sounds great. Or writing code. Actually, well, yeah. wait, you know that's a pretty good reboot story. Is you you start the beginning of the thing of all the turtles as older guys, and then you can go back in time. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You know, this like they have to itself. come. They have to. They have to come together for the last ride one more time. So Donatello is probably like a CTO of some like tech firm. He doesn't <laughs> understand what any of the his young employees are. Yeah, talking. yeah. Uh, Raph probably has his own like sort of teaches martial arts thing. What's an anger management class? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he just yells. At, he yells at all the kids. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> and Leo's like a Tiger Shulman type, where he's got like franchises the karate schools all over the city. He does his own commercials though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Robbie, uh, we're going to let you go, man. It's it's right. it's it's lovely. that time. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. 